0: park a new beginning let's go started back rocking the brown ever since we've been knocking them down baby says you want to go to the game taught her how to say padre gang started back rocking the brown ever since we've been knocking them down Mitchell and Ness with the old school name all of the homies of padre gang yeah they. and good day everybody welcome on in This is episode 150 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show, Ben Fadden, your host. I hope everyone is doing well tonight. As you see my first comment here that I put in the comments, welcome to the show. Let me know your thoughts on what you just saw this series between the Braves and the Padres. Are you worried about the offense that scored a combined six runs in the last three games after scoring 12 runs in the first game? in that home opener, which they won 12 to three, you know? So are you worried about the offense? You got Mackenzie Gore's debut that happened. Nick Martinez struggled a little bit, but you Darvish bounced back earlier tonight on Sunday night baseball. So there's a lot to talk about. Uh, Alex Rodriguez uh, made some interesting comments to say the least that he doesn't that prove to me that he doesn't know what the heck he's talking about uh, on the ESPN 2 K-Rod broadcast today. Uh, about Eric Hosmer and the Padres wanting to trade Eric Hosmer. So we'll get into all of that. we got Will Myers still on the shelf, still has not played since I think Tuesday when he uh, injured his thumb diving into second base. Uh, we got Clevenger who went on a rehab assignment, Snell, Myers, Clevenger, uh, Austin Adams, some injury updates there. Uh, Jim Callis, by the way, is coming on the show. He's scheduled to come on the show tomorrow uh, night. Uh, at like 6 o'clock, I think, Pacific time. So that'll be fun to talk about him, about the Padres farm system, what he's seen so far with Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams. Uh, Going to talk to him about a lot of prospects and a little bit about the draft maybe even as well that's coming up uh, during All-Star break, uh, during that All-Star week. So that's what's coming up tomorrow probably to, uh, before the Cincinnati Reds uh, series. Uh, but, yeah, let's let's get right into it. Hope everyone's having a good night so far. And if you're listening on the podcast version, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're getting that, I appreciate it as well. Again, Ben Fadner, host, at Talking Friars on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Make sure to subscribe to this YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button and the notification bell to make sure that you don't miss any video or any content that comes out, Daily Padres content, Every day during the season, even when there's off days, I will have some sort of video that comes out on this YouTube channel. So I hope that you guys appreciate it. This episode is sponsored by Gaglion Bros, famous cheesesteaks and subs, cheesesteaks and garlic fries. They are inside Petco Park. They will be available tomorrow. They will be available the whole rest of the homestand, the whole season inside Petco Park. They have their main, their main stand. Uh, by the Valley Sports San Diego broadcast booth, their uh, pre- and post-game broadcast booth, where Sweeney and uh, Pomerans do their pre-game and post-game show. Right across the aisle there uh, is Gaglione Bros. Famous cheesesteaks, garlic fries, amazing garlic fries. I'm a cheese Whiz guy for cheesesteaks. Um, Gaglionebros.com to view their entire menu. They have two locations in Point Loma and Mission Gorge. Uh, if you don't go to a Padre game, there's still two locations in San Diego as well. Let's get to it. let's not get you know let's not wait anymore. let's get to it. Padre's Braves four game set that happened this past weekend. the home opener on Thursday couldn't have gone any better. Uh, pre-game Blake snow was placed on the IL so that wasn't great but it was expected. Mackenzie Gore was then officially named the starter for Friday's game and we'll get to that to make his big league debut. Uh, it was Charlie Morton on the mound for the Braves He threw 30-plus pitches in the first inning. So talk about working the count, really getting uh, the opposing pitcher's pitch count up. That's exactly what happened. Two hit-by pitches, uh, and then Machado's single costed Morton in that first inning. Bases loaded. Hosmer came up single to center. Myers came up single to right. That made it 3 nothing in the first inning. In the bottom of the second, what a storybook start to C.J. Abrams' Padre home career at Petco Park. He homers to the opposite field in his first at bat as a San Diego Padre. That was really big uh, for him, and you know that home run. It's just the home run to uh, that he hit to left field. It was really impressive for me because usually, you know, the power, right? That was his big, you know, uh, bugaboo, if you will, right? Um, you know, just because people people didn't really believe that he could have that power, but hits that home run, showed, I mean, he, he seemed a little lost at some at times during this series this weekend, but he had a good day to finish it off a little bit uh today. Did play right field during the series, but a great way, that home run to left, here, I'll pull it up real quick for anyone that, Uh, Had a long weekend or whatever. Kind of forgot about it. Let's see here. CJ Abrams home run. Let's see if it can come up here. This Wi-Fi sucks here, just so you know. So bear with me. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of lagging here. Anyway, it was a home run to left field. Yeah, it's not going to cooperate with me. All right, well, it was a home run to left field. Uh, bottom of the sixth, Voight, Bloops, uh, two RBI single. He had three runs driven in in this game. That made it 7 nothing. Um, That was his third RBI of the night, by the way, because in the second, he had an RBI single as well. Excuse me, R- RBI double. Uh, that made it 5 nothing Padres. In the seventh, bottom of the seventh, Manny was the story here. I mean, I know I haven't talked about him yet, but five-hit game. Homeward in his final not his final at bat. He went 5 for 6, but in his fifth at bat, a breaking ball, hanging breaking ball, deposited it into the left field seats, line drive into the left field seats. Um, Manny made that 9 nothing, his fifth hit of the night uh, of the night. Tony Gwynn had a 6-hit game during his career and I think that was brought up during the broadcast uh, with Don and Mud and they were talking about how that six that bat, Manny had a chance to do that for the first time, I think, since Tony Gwynn, I think. Uh, I believe it was that. And then they were also talking about, or someone put out on Twitter, that other five hit games in Padres history was like Mark Loretta, the um, uh, um, shortstop, um, Everett Cabrera, I think, was one of them. Uh, another one that I thought was a joke was John Jay. Um, so it wasn't like amazing, uh, guys, you know, Mark Loretta obviously was good, but, uh, Manny would have put into company that very few Padres were put in. I'll put it that way. Uh, what's up Raven? How's it going, man? Hope you're having a good night. Um, but yeah, Manny had a, a really, really, really good night. San Diego, the Padres scored three more runs before Albies hit their, hit that home run late. He was on fire this series, by the way uh Padres like giving a middle middle fastballs uh during the series I'll tell you that that was the only uh runs that the uh Padre or that the uh Braves ended up scoring 12 to 1 I said 12 to 3 earlier sorry I was thinking about another game 12 to 1 was the score on Thursday Clevenger in Lake Elsinore by the way he had uh that Lake Elsinore start rehab start only went two innings but he looked good Five of his six outs were strikeouts. Didn't give up any hits. And I get it. There were single A uh, pitchers, but at the same or hitters. But at the same time, you know, it, it was good. All Bob Melman cared about, and he was saying that on Ben and Woods on Friday morning. All he cared about was that Mike Clevenger came out of that game, came out of that rehab start healthy, right? Came out of it healthy, and that's all they care about. Came out obviously had that knee issue that sidelined him and did not allow him to start the season. Um, with the team in the starting rotation. And so it seems like he's going to go out to El Paso on Tuesday to make his second rehab start. Isn't clear how many innings, but it seems like the same thing. They're going to look, just make sure he stays healthy. Probably what three, four innings. I wouldn't expect him to make a three inning jump. Maybe it's a two inning jump throws maybe three innings up, down, up, down one time before that um, as, as just a side bullpen, but we'll see Tuesday is supposed to be that. Uh, next rehab start, and then the Potters will go from there. So that's the club update. But Thursday's game, I talked about it with Ben Verlander on episode 149, which I encourage you to go check out after this uh, episode's done, where we talked about a lot of things with uh, Justin Verlander's brother, who works for Fox Sports, talked about Seiya Suzuki as well, who's gotten off to a really, really hot start uh, for the Cubs. Eight-game hitting streak, I believe. Uh, So it doesn't seem like he's being overpaid so far right now. I still think it is, but again, it's early. Um, but getting back to, you know, that Ben Verlander discussion, we were talking about Thursday's game and Manny, that, that led to led me down that road with the Manny Machado possible MVP discussion because with Tatis out, you know, that puts the spotlight more on Manny, right? Jake Cronenworth gotten off to a little bit more of a slow start, where with Manny, that, it just puts more of a spotlight on him. You know, Grisham's off to a slower start, right? Myers is hurt. There just isn't a whole lot of superstar offense and Profar got off to a hot start, but he's cooled down a little bit as well. I know he hit his third home run of the season, this series, but he's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start as well. So the spotlight for me is on Manny Machado in this lineup. And I think that can really help when you compare it to Freddie Freeman, right? of the Dodgers who could be an MVP candidate or Trey Turner, because they have so many guys in that Dodgers lineup, Freddie Freeman, uh didn't have A.J. Paul this year, but they have Freddie Freeman, Max Muncie, Will Smith, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger. You can just go down the line, and Gavin Lux was even a top prospect, you know, he used to be. So they – Chris Taylor is another guy. They have a lot, a lot of guys that can steal some power, some thunder power in that lineup that can take away maybe Freddie Freeman or Trey Turner's MVP numbers, where Manny, it seems like he's that guy right now. So I think he could really – um Help himself at least in the first half of the season when, uh, excuse me, when Tatis is gone, to you know really put himself in that MVP, the forefront of that MVP discussion. Also, Ronald Acuna Jr. is not going to be available till May as well, so that's another guy. Um, So Juan Soto, kind of on a rebuilding team, it seems like at the deadline, the Nationals are probably going to trade a lot of guys. The Giants don't really have a, a real MVP candidate, I don't think, on their team, even though they, they should be good. Christian Yelich, I don't really know what you're gonna get out of him, right? For the Mets, I mean, they don't for me, they don't have like a firm MVP guy. I know they're seven and what, three right now, so they're they've gotten off to a, a good start to start the year, but for me, they don't really have that MVP offensive player where the Padres with Manny Machado, if he can if he can continue hitting well, I know these last couple of days haven't been great offensively, but if he can continue to hit well, I think he's really going to put himself at the forefront of that MVP discussion. But that was my main takeaway. I know Abrams, that was a great story with the home run to left, but with Manny five hit game. Holy cow. You, you just, it was just, I mean, bet, credit to Ben Higgins, you know, I'm trying to get him on. So uh, reach out to Ben Higgins and say, Ben Fadden wants you on the talking fires podcast and YouTube show. I think he'd be great to have the Ben and Ben show. Um, So hopefully you guys can at him on Twitter to get that uh, going. But Ben Higgins was saying on Friday on Ben and Woods, and he put it great talking about how Thursday was like the perfect symphony direct. If Bob Melvin was directing the perfect symphony and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Joe Musgrove, right? Love that guy. Uh, Six and two thirds shutout innings. I mean, you just couldn't have been better. That was just an amazing way. The standing ovation that he got, you know, right. Going off the mound. That was just amazing. You know, it was just, it was, it was great. And as Joel put it here perfectly, yeah, Joe Musgrove absolutely shoved. And I agree. It was just a great performance. I know he kind of had to grind a little bit uh, in that last start that he had before this home opener, but I'm sure it was weighing on him, right? It was really weighing on him, all the pressure. And he's, he would been. He said that he was thinking about it on Friday, uh, the day after that opener, he was saying that he, it was weighing on him. He was really thinking about uh, that start for a long time in spring. Even during spring training, he was thinking about it just because of all the pressure his family was going to be there. Being from San Diego, you know, it's going to be sold out. Everyone takes the day off. And even the next day, I know my mom did that from work, took the next day off uh, just because of how big of a party that is at Petco Park every year and like a holiday it is. So he knew that he was going to have a lot of pressure on him to go pitch well. And did he ever. So Thursday was a great game. They improved to five and three that game. Unfortunately, they'd lose the next two before winning on Sunday. But if you're just putting it as a perfect picture, and if I was to tell you Wednesday night, hey, Ben, you know, or anyone's on YouTube here watching, hey, look, we're on the podcast. Hey, Musgrove's going to shove. He's not going to give up a run. Manny's going to have five hits. CJ's going to hit his first major league career home run, and it's going to be oppo. You know, that would have been amazing. That would have, they wouldn't have had to burn any key bullpen arms. It would have been Pedro Avila pitching, you know, at late in the game. That would have been great. That would have been great. Um, so, great day overall on Thursday. On Friday, though, they end up losing. This was the start of three straight games where they only scored two runs. This was, though, uh, the Mackenzie Gore day. And I'll show a breakdown shortly. That was the story. I thought he pitched well for being. His major league debut, again, pressure on him as well, just like Musgrove had pressure on him. So I thought he pitched pretty dang well. Uh, Pre-game, Bob Melman said that Will Myers was dealing with a thumb swell swelling issue uh, in that thumb index area, index finger area. Uh, And AC said earlier this morning on Sunday that it was purple. Um, So that's not great. But Myers, I was saying this on the pre-game show earlier today, I, I wish Myers was healthy but it's not like they're losing Machado, right? Myers was started off the season slow. He seemed lost at the plate. And so that's a good thing for me, uh, at least, that it, at least it wasn't Manny. I'm not saying it's a good thing that Myers was hurt, but I'm saying that it was a good thing that it wasn't Manny that was dealing with this thumb injury, right? Um, so that, that's to spin it the positive way. That's, that's how I would at least spin it the positive way. But getting back to what Melvin said, Myers dealing with wellness, told Ben and Woods on Friday morning in an interview that Blake Snell is a ways away from returning, uh, to the major leagues to pitching, uh, and that Eric Hosmer has been receptive to Michael Bordar's recommendations. You know, they've been working in the cage a lot. So that was good news to, to hear as well from Bob Melvin, because this is a change from in past years. You know, this, this tweet that I put out got a lot of traction on Twitter of me report, uh, saying what Melvin told Ben and Woods. And I think, that it's good news, right, that he's being receptive finally. You know, he it seems like that shows that he really wants to win, and he realizes I have my 10 and 5 rights at the end of this year. So if they don't trade, they really want to trade me here. If I If I don't get traded, okay, I can stay, right? I can opt in. I can stay. But he knows that he could get traded, and I think he wants to be on this team with Manny. He loves the clubhouse in there. His teammates, he doesn't really love the front office, Uh, But he loves the clubhouse, his teammates, loves Bob Melvin, it seems like. Likes the coaching staff. Um, He likes that at least Preller gave uh, the Padres, you know, some veteran manager, veteran coaching staff. And likes the blend that they have in there as well. Um, And I think he realizes that, look, I could get traded. So I need to be receptive to anything that this coaching staff is going to give to me. You know, any knowledge that they're going to, you know, give to me, or recommend me do so that I can stay on this team? Because what if it works? If it doesn't work, okay. You know, I was already sucking before, so why not try something else? I think he's realizing that, and hopefully that continues. You know, he's put together great at-bats these last couple games while some guys weren't putting together great at-bats. They were swinging at pitches up here. Hosmer was putting together good at-bats, and I wish I put this out on Twitter earlier today, at Talking Friars that I hope that Luke Voigt was paying attention to the at-bat that Hosmer was putting together earlier today on Sunday Night Baseball. You know, I think it was double digits in the amount of pitches that was thrown in that at-bat. He ended up getting out, but he put the ball in play. It ended up being a line-out, I believe, uh, to Dansby Swanson. Um, But getting back to Friday's game, Mackenzie Gore made his debut. His first hit allowed was an Albies' home run to left center field. He struck out Albies in the first, though, for his first strikeout, fastball up, great, you know, uh, great pitch there. The second run that he gave up was a, a, a Marcelo Zuna bloop single that barely went fair, barely went fair. And then his final line, five in the third inning, two earned runs, again, Albies and then Mar- the Marcelo Zuna blooper that barely went fair, should have been a foul ball, uh, Went uh, only allowed two walks, struck out three, and then obviously that one home run. I liked what I saw out of Mackenzie Gore. I'll show you this breakdown that I have uh, in a couple minutes after I get done with this game, 50 out of his 73 pitches for Mackenzie were fastballs. So he was relying on that fastball topped out at 98 and a half miles an hour uh, per one report that I saw. Um, and the slider, you know, just wasn't really working all the time, but that fastball, you know, increased velocity on that fastball, and he was throwing strikes with the fastball, you know, you can go back to that pitch if the slider's not working. And that's what I really liked out of that McKenzie Gore start, uh, for me at least. Uh, But for the rest of the game, before we get to that Gore breakdown, visual breakdown of the pitches and what I saw that I created, I believe Saturday morning, uh, in the, the two runs the Padres first scored Kim RBI single, Machado had a blue double scoring Kim. Kim had a really hustle play there. That was an amazing um, speed that Kim showed off there. Uh, that was with two outs, made it two to two. After those two runs that Mackenzie Gore gave up, that was after five innings in the top of the eight, though. Pierce Johnson, Danels Lamette weren't great. They blew it uh, for Mackenzie. Adam Duvall drove in two runs. Uh, one guy, one of those runners was from, was from first base. And then... Down the left field line, that was that uh, run that he drove in in the eighth off Pierce Johnson. And then Lamette, that gave that gave the Braves the lead. And then Lamette came in uh, with a slider, a wild pitch. That made it 5-2. to two. Just was not just was not really dialed in there, Pierce or Lamette. I did say on the recap, the reaction, post-game reaction that I have, by the way, after every single game on my social media channels, uh, just like a one-minute, two-minute reaction for you on my thoughts on the game. Um, I do pregame shows as well. Before every single game, it's more of an extended show. It's not a reaction, but more of a 30 minute type pregame show. Answer all your questions, lineups, what to watch for. Padre pick, the one guy I think will get a hit if I had to pick one Padre before every game. Matchups, MLB news around the game, Padres news, give my thoughts on that. So stay tuned for that as well. Uh, every game, before every game, I'll have a pregame show and then postgame reaction. Uh, but getting back to this game, Lament just the slider. And Pierce Johnson, it was kind of unfortunate that uh, I think it was Travis Darno sneaked a single through the second that would have got him out of the inning. He snuck um, a single through the right side. It was a hit and run. So Kronoworth went to cover second base on the steal. Uh, and that left open the second base side. And so credit to. You know, credit to uh, Darno, right? He poked it through the second side. He saw that Cronenworth vacated his second base normal position, poked it through, kept the inning going, and they end up scoring three runs later that inning. But it was unfortunate that that game ended that way. Padres' offense scores two runs, you know, only two runs. That would be two runs that they scored not just Friday, but Saturday and Sunday as well, which was really unfortunate. Uh, But it was unfortunate not just because it was two runs, but because Gore pitched well, I thought, in this Braves debut that he had, this major league debut. You're facing the second best offense, in my opinion, going into the year in the National League. And he's pitched really well that fastball, jamming guys, including Guillermo Heredia. And so that leads me uh, to this point. Again, Padres lose this game five to two to the Braves. And so they drop to five and four. And they would end up being 5-5 and after Saturday's game, which we'll get to in a minute. But I did want to show you this Mackenzie Gore breakdown that I had uh, that I put out on YouTube, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Talking Friars, breaking down Mackenzie Gore's start. So here that is right now. For the YouTube audience, you'll see the visual and my audio. And then for the podcast audience, I encourage you to look at the breakdown visually, but you also see me breaking down what I saw audibly, uh, a Mackenzie Gore start. So here that is. breaking down Mackenzie Gore's MLB debut against the Atlanta Braves last night. Really effective with his fastball. When he wasn't effective with the slider, he went back to the fastball, and that really helped him have success last night, giving up only two runs. Here to Ozzy Albies, fastball up, boom. Great start. Um, didn't totally hit his spot, but that fastball, the increase in velocity with the fastball has really helped him make that pitch really successful and to ozzy alby's a smaller hitter that was really helpful there and matt olsen hits his spot low and away and that's what he liked doing yesterday a lot he went up and into guillermo heredia which you'll see but here he's hiding the ball really well hides it twice and then boom just whips it right out so it's minimal time for the batter to see it and then olsen here with the slider misses his spot but again, he went right back to the fastball. When he missed his spot, he went back to what he was comfortable with. And that's how it really helped him have success here. Here to Marcelo Zuna, grounder down. Arzuna can't do anything with that. Perfect pitch. And then here to Duvall, fastball up inside strike zone. And then the next two pitches here are paint. And this fastball, this he loved doing that fastball outside on the black. And he saw a lot of success with that. Last night. Here's the jam shot I'm talking about to Guillermo and Heredia. I love this pitch. Wasn't afraid to go in. Look at him jam I that in. To Jay Cronenworth and got himself out of the inning. Loved that pitch. Loved that sequence there. And then he made a mistake here to Ozzy Albies. Okay. Yep. Fastball middle. But when he made a mistake, it seemed like he bounced back and he went right back to where he was comfortable with, went back to hitting his spots. Here's Matt Olson. Good defense. Again, fastball away, hit his spot there. Okay, he made some mistake pitch here, double down the line, wants it to be out, ends up being middle in, middle, middle, actually, down the line. Okay, you know, you're facing the second-best lineup in the league, arguably, in the National League, so you're going to make mistakes. It's your big league debut. Shrug it off, comes back to Ozuna here, and here, this is a run, but it ends up being a good pitch. Doesn't hit his spot, but look, it's down. Can't do anything with that pitch. And guess what? Ozuna doesn't do anything with that pitch. Look how close that ball is to being foul. And maybe he gives up less runs than he ended up giving up and less hits here. So you go back to that. Albie strikeout. I really liked what I saw out of Gore yesterday. Only gives up two runs, hit his spots with that fastball out. Yeah. So there's the breakdown. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Mackenzie Gore. So just reiterating on that, I really liked how he used that fastball to his advantage and, He was hitting 90, he was topping at 98 and a half miles an hour using that slider. Uh, And I think they can really, the Padres can really build on this with McKenzie on the mound. And if he continues pitching like this, they got to keep him on the big league roster. They just do. What other choice do they have? You know, this team, especially with the offense, if you're going to have a starting pitcher like this, as well as the rest of the rotation, like Mania and Musgrove and Darvish so far, even Martinez, I know we'll get to him the Saturday start that he had yesterday. But when this rotation's pitching like this, and you still have Snell and Clebinger on the shelf, but you have these five guys that are pitching pretty good, you got to keep riding that. Got to keep riding that. So you can disagree. Uh, yes, I do admit that he did have some balls that were hit pretty hard off of him. But at the same time, outs are outs. It's a results based business. And He only gave up two runs. He kept the team in the ball game, and I think they should have won that game if they scored more than two runs. And Pierce Johnson and Denelson Lemet didn't, you know, choke at the end. Um, so that was that was a Friday's game. Moving to Saturday's game, they end up losing five to two again. They lose by the same score. Padres scored two runs again. They lose by three runs for the second straight night in the row. Pre-game, the Padres traded Javi Guerra, who used to be in the bullpen, and started. Uh, at shortstop, actually, and then moved as to a reliever. Uh, couldn't really control command. He got sent to the Tampa Bay Rays for cash. And not surprising, he got DFA'd. He was out of options. So the Padres had to make some sort of move. They wanted to get something back for him, and they ended up getting back cash. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the Rays use him. Uh, our luck, he ends up, you know, turning into one of the best relievers in baseball, but that's just our luck. But, you know, he, he just wasn't going to work here. It he was out of options. And if he wasn't going to pitch good for us at the big league level, there was no use for him. You know, there was there was going to be another team that was going to pick him up or have interest in trading him. So that's just the way it was. That's just the way it was going to be. So Avi Garrett to the Tampa Bay Rays, moving to Saturday's game, five to two. Obviously, Atlanta beat San Diego, like I mentioned already. The second pitch of the game, Ozzy Albies Homered again. Homers off Nick Martinez to right field, middle, middle, not a good pitch to throw. In the second inning, Grisham did rob a home run, though, Uh, robbed Manny Pena uh, of a two-run homer in center field. That was a smooth catch by Trent Grisham. I mean, my goodness. I'm going to try to find it here real quick. That was a smooth, smooth robbery that Trent Grisham pulled off. And then he ended up homering later in the game. It was a solo home run that really didn't mean much. Um, but it was good to see Grisham gain some confidence I think you know because at the plate he he was like myers you know he, he seemed a little lost um, trying to find this Grisham home run here again my Wi-Fi stinks right now it still sucks so bear with me yeah it's not loading um, just giving me the circle the circle of death uh, so. It's not working, but um, getting back to Grisham, had a home run later in the game. Profar hit his third home run of the year as well. That was definitely um, a bright spot in this game, but Nick Martinez, just, he wasn't as solid as he was. I mean, he had to grind. He did grind through. I'll give him credit on that. He did grind through some innings and some at-bats, but he goes, ends up going only uh, five innings, gives up four earned runs, seven hits. He walks four. Three strikeouts only, so it wasn't really being effective. Swing and miss on Saturday. Olsen had an opposite homer after Albie's in that game. He then he left. Uh, Martinez did. He left a breaking ball to uh, Marcelo Zuna. That made it four to one Braves. Ian Anderson on the other side of things, he was good. Five and two thirds innings, only allowed two hits, walked one guy, gave up that one home run to Profar. And he, he went 12 outs in the Padres. This is more, I don't think, on him, but I think it's more indicative of the Padres' offense, where they went 12 outs. They, they let Anderson have 12 consecutive outs between the profile home run and an Austin Nola single where they didn't get a hit. 12 consecutive outs without getting a hit. That can't happen. Ian Anderson, is he a good pitcher? Yeah. Is he a good young pitcher? Okay, but he's not Max Scherzer or Jacob deGrom or Walker Buehler or you Darvish or Sean Manaya. you know, they, they just have to have a better offense. You can't be striking out that many times. I mean, Friday's game, I think it was Friday's game, right? They struck out 16 times. You can't strike out 16 times and expect to go win a game. You know, that's, that's what's frustrating is the strikeouts and then Luke Voigt as well strikes out three times in that game on Saturday. And Kevin Ac said in his newsletter earlier today on Sunday morning, he's struck out uh, 12 in his last 23 plate appearances. That can't happen. With Luke Voigt, can you please just shorten your swing? My mom's in the chat here. Hi, mom. Yeah, I think, look, Luke Voigt shortened the swing. I mean, my mom used to tell me that in Little League. Shorten the swing – With the load, he has this big load, and then it's so violent with the swing. It's like, come on, man. Can you shorten the swing? With two strikes, just please shorten the swing a little bit. Or if you want to have the same violent swing, at least have like a toe tap. We've seen Bryce Harper have success with that. He tinkered with that a couple years ago, and guess what? He won MVP last year. He has that big aggressive leg kick and swing like he always has in – Strikes one and two, right? When he has no strikes, one strike and two strikes on him. But then with two strikes, he has a toe tap and then swings. And he has enough power to still hit home runs with a toe tap or hit balls in the gap. Does Luke Voigt still have the same power with a toe tap or still power enough to hit home runs with a toe tap or hit doubles with a toe tap? I believe so. So I hope, hopefully, it's not just me, you know, being psycho over here. Just change your approach a little bit, Luke. Please, just a little bit. And I, I hope that – I know he's pissed off. He said to the media that it's pathetic, the streak and all the strikeouts and not hitting a home run yet. And I agree with him. And I, I like the self-accountability, right? But just change your approach a little bit. And striking out 16 times like they did on a Friday and then having 12 straight outs without getting a hit against Ian Anderson, you're not going to win games. You're not going to your, set yourself up and set the bullpen up to win games. It's regardless of how good the starting pitching can be. You know, we saw that on opening day, right? Where, you know, they, okay, well, opening day is not really a good example because they should have won the game. The bullpen just choked in the ninth inning, but there was that one game in San Francisco, right? Uh, Where they got a good pitching performance at, what was it? The Tuesday game or the Thursday game? And Matt Beatty almost won the game down the line with that uh, double, but it ended up being foul, right? They almost won that game with good pitching, but the offense just didn't score enough runs for them, right? So it's just stuff like that. And then you score two runs on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They scored 12 runs on Friday. They combined for half of those runs the next three games of the series. You can't do that if you're going to expect to win a bunch of games and win series instead of splitting series. You know, they, they split a series with the defending world series champions. Going into this series, I would have been happy with that. I would have been like, okay. You know what? They split the series. That's fine. You know, you're you're facing arguably the second best offense in the national league. Right. But it's the way that they split the series. You know, on Thursday they come out and score 12 runs. And so if you're telling me that they would have, you know, Ben, they're going to score two runs each of the next three games, I would have said, no, I'm going to be disappointed in this. They're not going to split this series. So am I happy that they ended up splitting it? Yeah. Considering that they just weren't able to, produce good enough Friday, Saturday, Sunday, really offensively. Um, Did they win two to one today? Yeah. But you're telling me that you're going to be able to do that this coming weekend against the Dodgers. I don't think so. So this approach, I think the approach needs to change specifically with Luke Voigt and getting back to the end of this game, like Grisham had that home run, like I mentioned, but you know, they combined for four runs, the last two games, Friday, Saturday, and then two runs on Sunday, Myers dealing still with that thumb injury. So he didn't play Saturday. Didn't play Sunday as well, um, so. But then Myers, it's not like Myers. I don't know if Myers would have been too much of help either because he was in a slump to start the season. So, Padres lose five to two on Saturday. They end up dropping to five and five on the year. Just the offense was not good enough. Nick Martinez gave up three home runs, but still the offense just wasn't good enough. You can put. I'm going to put a lot on it on Martinez in that game because I think he should have been better, and I think he would tell you that. But. It's both the starting pitching there and then uh, the offense. I mean, Nick Martinez coming in, right? I thought it was an overpay, the contract that he got. Five and a half million dollars more than he got pre-lockout, right? Um, And then, so with that five, he's in the five-starter spot. So you can't expect him to give up two runs every start out. You know, he's going to give up four runs sometimes, right, as the five-starter. It's the Padres' offense in their duties, their job, to go out and score runs to go win the game. And they didn't do that. They didn't really do that this series. That's why they end up splitting after scoring 12 freaking runs on Thursday. Uh, Moving to Sunday's game, pregame, Austin Adams. Here's an injury update, a couple injury updates. Austin Adams got a second opinion, or he's going to get a second opinion on that forearm tightness with another MRI. After having an MRI, he's going to get a second opinion. So that's not good news. When a pitcher gets a second opinion on something, they don't get a second opinion because the first guy said, yeah, we like it. You're healthy. Go back and pitch. Go back and throw. They don't go get a second opinion because the first guy said something that they want to hear, right? They go get a second opinion because they got what they didn't want to hear. The first opinion probably said, doesn't look good. You're going to have to be out for a couple months, or maybe you should just go get Tommy John. That's why Austin Adams is going to go get a second opinion right? Uh, So it's disappointing. It seems like he's headed for Tommy John surgery. And this is not something that the Padres wanted, not something that I wanted, not something that fans probably wanted. I know that some fans were pissed off at him last year because he was hitting the world. He was hitting like uh, every other batter he was hitting. He set a record for batters hit in a season. Um, But it seemed like he was, I mean, for me, gut reaction, it didn't seem like going into this year that he was going to hit 23 batters or however many hit 30-plus batters or whatever the number was that he did last year, right? You can't do that again. It's kind of like the injuries for the Padres last year where they had everyone in the rotation hurt except Musgrove, right? And Machado was dealing with something the whole year, and other guys just got hurt. Morhone and Kella got hurt at the beginning of the year and were out with TJ. And now Marjon's still not ready yet, right? Drew Pomerantz couldn't stay healthy. He's still not ready yet. You didn't think that that was going to happen again that that's going to happen again this year, right? We're early into the season, but you didn't really think that was going to happen again this year. And that's the same thing that goes with Austin Adams, right? You didn't think that he was going to hit the world this year and it seemed like he was doing a little bit better this year, but it's unfortunate, it seems like he's heading for Tommy John or for a really significant period of time off because when you go get a second opinion, that's not good news. You don't go get a second opinion because the doctor said what you wanted to hear for the first opinion. Um, So that's one injury update. Uh, Mike Clevenger rehab started on Tuesday, like I mentioned earlier, in El Paso. Maybe they bring him up to face the Dodgers uh, after that El Paso starter if everything goes well and they want to piggyback him and Gore, right? You have Clevenger the righty, you have Gore a lefty. Maybe you do it that way. Who knows? Uh, But going and then go to Snell, he's still a, a side session on Tuesday. Uh, so just throw, it seems like flat ground. So, um, so we'll see, it might be on the mound, um, uh, but we'll see how that goes. And then after the side session, do they, do they do another one or do they just go send him to Lake Elsinore or do they have them face like Jose Azucar or someone like that during live BP, you know, before the hitters hit something like that. Do they have Tatis stand in the batter's box? We'll get to Tati's by the way. Don't you worry about that. Uh, what he was seen doing today. But um, will they have Tatis go in there? Because I know that he's doing some virtual reality stuff and facing hitters, not swinging, not during dry swings even, but just loading, watching hitters. Um, So maybe that happens. Uh, But that's the Snell, the Adams, the Clevenger injury updates. Now getting to today's game, we'll get to Tatis after I kind of recap this game. Padres end up winning this game two to one again, two runs. That's not going to be good enough next, next weekend. I don't think against the Dodgers. It's just not, it's just not. It was good that Luke Voigt wasn't in the lineup. I think it's a good day to clear his head. You strike out three times the day before you're not loading or excuse me, you're loading still like that, but you're still having too much of a violent swing. I think with two strikes, just simmer down a little bit, Luke, Uh, give him a day off and you Matt Beatty in there in right field. Abrams and Kim at second and short, respectively. In the bottom of the first, Hosmer popped out to Swanson. Profar as well with one out and the bases loaded. So that didn't help. The story of this game for me, just not being able to capitalize with runners in scoring position. The Padres end up going 0 for 9. Yeah, yeah, you heard that right. 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position in this series or in this game on uh, Sunday night baseball. So, not great at all. Uh, and then, you know, they don't come through there. Bottom of the second, the two runs that they got in this game weren't even well produced. You know, cronoworth the second run, it was just a grounder to second base. The first run was because the starting pitcher couldn't, you know, who's making his first road star of his career, couldn't find the strike zone and hits Nola with the bases loaded and lets the guy on third walk into home. So it's not like these two runs that they produced were home runs or whatever. You know, That's not the way it was. And so that's concerning as well. So you can say, Ben, yeah, they won this game. They split. It's a results-based business, like I even said during this episode, earlier in this episode tonight. But at the same time, the results are not encouraging because the offense is not producing runs for themselves, right? It's a ground out to second, and it's a hit by pitch with the bases loaded, you know, because the starting pitcher can't throw enough strikes. So it's not like they're producing great. And that just, you know, it's good that they're going to get to see the Cincinnati Reds this week, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, before an off day, Thursday, finally, after 14 straight games to start the season. Feels like last year's uh, start to their schedule last year. Feels like the same thing again. What was it like 30 games in 31 days or something crazy like that? Uh, so they had the off day Thursday and at least they're facing a weak Cincinnati team. and they don't have to face Turner green, but getting back to the offense, this series just wasn't good enough. You know, they had guys not putting together great at bats. Hosmer did, but there were guys that just were swinging at pitches up here. You had Luke Voigt swinging at breaking balls and just not having a great approach. I keep going back to that, but that's just the way it was. It just is just the way it was. Um, so, the offense, again, 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. You Darvish pitched really well, though. you got to give hats off to him after struggling. Uh, his last two starts, so his first and third starts combined this season, 12.2 innings, so 12 and two-thirds innings pitched, one earned run, and four hits total. So that's the Yu Darvish I know. That's the Yu Darvish that I saw and, you know, really was digging into the numbers at the first half of last year after, you know, well, after that, he had to deal with injuries, the hip, the back, right? But with today, he pitched really well. Six and two-thirds, one earned run, four hits, one home run that he gave up uh, to uh, – who's that? Um, Marcelo Zuna. Um, and then no no walks, no walks. Eight strikeouts, 64 of his 96 pitches were strikes. So I really like what I'm seeing out of Darvish. I really am, and it was encouraging. He's definitely the ace. Him and Manaya have pitched really well so far this season for the Padres, and it's not really even a season. It's a week and a half, right? Uh, but at the same time, you got to just take what you're taking, right? Mania pitched good for the Padres that one start in spring training. Then he's pitched well during the season. He starts the, whole, uh, the uh, series opener against the Reds. And Darvish, besides that San Francisco start where the conditions were windy, just wasn't great. He ends up pitching well um, in his first and third starts of the season. So let me know what you think of you, Darvish, what you thought of him, what you thought of Martinez and Musgrove this series as well, and Mackenzie Gore, Big Mac, uh, making his big league debut. Um, But I do want to get to what Tatis was doing, and I do want to get to A-Rod's comments during the... K Rod broadcast that shows that he has no idea what the Padre about the Padres. He has no idea what he's saying when it comes to the San Diego Padres. Uh, let's who should we get to first? Let's get. You want to get to A Rod's comments first, or do you want to get to Tatis and him playing soccer during uh, before the game when he's supposed to be doing regular just cardio and you know he was supposed to learn from his lesson of being reckless with the motorcycle. He wasn't riding a motorcycle, and we'll get, let's get to Tatis first, I guess. Um, this this irritated me. On the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast, there were, you know, Jacob, my cousin, he works uh, at Petco Park, um, and he had videos that are at the Talking Friars Instagram on the story, on our story at Talking Friars on Instagram the last few days, right, of Tatis playing soccer, kicking the ball around. But then ESPN captured a video of him playing soccer, At Petco Park before the game today, I'm not real happy that CJ was playing as well uh, and Azakar. I mean, it's bonding, but come on, dude, you're in the starting lineup. Don't be playing soccer before the game. Um, But that's just me. You know, maybe that's just me uh, taking it overboard. But with the injuries the Pirates have had, that's just what I'm thinking. That's just my thought process, right? Uh, But with Tatis today on the broadcast, this is what they show, Okay. They literally showed Fernando falling on his butt while playing soccer today pregame. Here's the video, and I'll show it a few times. You got Azakar playing, I think Profar, and then Abrams in the yellow here. And Tatis here, he ends up falling on his butt after trying to do some soccer trick. I'm not into soccer. It's boring. I watch the USA team sometimes, the women's team, and the San Diego Wave sometimes. 'Cause they actually play like interesting soccer. Soccer's boring for me. Um, but that's not the point here. Tatis, here's what he does. He he ends up turning his ankle, it seems like, on the soccer ball. It's just stupid. He doing that can't you just play soccer and kick the ball around without doing these you know nifty moves why do you have to do that it's like he he's trying to you know there's quotes and sources and all that that have said oh he's learned his lesson he knows what he's doing you know he he knows that it hurt his teammates then why are you doing this it just, does not, it just boggles my mind why he keeps doing this. And I don't want to just totally rail on the guy because I love him. Padres fans love him. This is the best dynamic player that we've seen, that I've seen in my lifetime as a Padre. Manny's really good, but Fernando can still do some things that Manny can't do athletically, right? And he's just amazing. If they're going to win a World Series, Fernando's going to be a big part of it. But for him to be doing this and rolling his ankle and falling on his arm – You know, and guess what? Are we just going to forget that he's had the subluxations and the history of subluxations and falling almost on his shoulder like that? You know, why are you doing that? That's my big question here. Why? You can play soccer and kick the ball around like I saw this weekend. But to be trying to do these tricks when you're a baseball player and you've already dealt with injuries, why are you doing that? And you heard, here's Carl Ravage again. You say, oh, you heard him say, oh, on the broadcast. Yeah, because he knows what I know. The Padres aren't going to be happy about this. Here's Ravage again. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. With a couple of his teammates showing some mo- oh, oh, that. And Joyce soccer. With a couple of his teammates showing some mo- oh, oh, and that. And soccer. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Am I the only one that thinks this? Call me stupid. Call it. Call me dumb. Call me, you know, fun hater. You know, you don't like to have fun. Well, I think Fernando can have fun other ways than doing these soccer tricks when he's trying to supposed to be rehabbing. You can get cardio in in other ways than doing these soccer tricks and falling. You just don't have to do this. That's just me. Again, that's just me Kwan says Tatis needs to be bubble-wrapped. I kind of agree. I'm not saying that he can't go play soccer before the game, but do you have to go play soccer aggressively before the game? Can't you just play to have some fun, kick the ball around? You don't have to play and be aggressive like we saw in the video. Yeah, and that's a good point, Hawkeye Dinger. The soccer stuff seems like something Tingler would allow, not Melvin. I agree. Like – this seems like Bob Melv. Is there not, this is, and this is something that I just thought of right now. Is there not something in his contract that says you can't be doing this stuff? You can't be doing this dumb stuff where you could risk injury? There was a report out earlier this offseason, right? Or it was during spring training, I think, where there was a report that said that the Padre, that in his contract, Fernando had that he can't ride motorcycles or something like that. And he still did it anyway. And the Padres aren't doing anything about it now. Did they have a conversation with him? Probably, but they—they're not doing anything about it. It's like I get you don't want to piss him off, but he's here for the next twelve years after this season. You know, he's the face of your franchise, a six-war player. You know, you gotta talk to him about this. Isn't there something about violating the contract that the Padres? want to take seriously, can't they take that seriously? If you can't ride a motorcycle, maybe it's not in there that you can't play soccer, but I'm pretty sure if they saw this today that they'd put in the contract now, you can't be doing these tricks and rolling your ankle and falling on your shoulder or falling on your arm that connects to your shoulder that's been subluxated a lot of times that you can't do that. I think they'd put that in the contract. It just does not make sense. Fernando, 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 why are you doing this? Time after time after time. It's like a parent, right? It's like a parent. They tell their kid, you know, you can't do this. Work on your homework before you go on your phone or go on your screen and watch movies, right? And then they do it again the next day. They're going on a screen before their homework. And then they make their kids sign a contract and say, you can't go on a screen before you do your homework. And then the next day, guess what? They're on a screen. They're sneaking on a screen before they do their homework. It's like, I know that might be a little bit of a stretch, but it's like, I hope you get the point. It's like, why does it keep doing this? You know, and I might be just emotionally overreacting, but I'm sorry. A lot of these season ticket holders and a lot of these casual fans that aren't season ticket holders, you think they just go to the game only for the food? There's a reason why it was sold out on Thursday and it was 38 plus thousand fans earlier today for Sunday night baseball because those guys probably got their tickets before today. Why? Because they wanted to see Tatis play. They're buying their tickets to see Tatis and Manny together in the lineup. And now they're not seeing him. You can't tell me that fans aren't disappointed about this. They Tatis is a main attraction for the Padres. And I'm not just trying to speak for their ticket office. I'm just speaking as a fan who has a mom who spends a lot of money for season tickets every year. And a lot of that money is going towards paying Fernando's contract for the next 12 years after this season. So... I feel like I'm justified in being pissed off at him for saying this, you know, and kind of just eye rolling at this, you know, just, it's like, come on, man. Can you be a little smarter? Like, I don't want to try to be just like the fun police, but I feel like he, he can have fun other ways. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I'm more on the right side of things here. So feel free to give your thoughts in the comments, what you think. or at talking fires on Twitter. Instagram, TikTok, whatever, on the social media channels, on YouTube. Again, I, I hope that you subscribe to this YouTube channel, put the not, uh, post notifications on so you don't miss when any content comes out, daily pregame shows before every game, post-game reactions after every game. Okay, at least, I'm on, at least there's someone on my side here. You're exactly right, says the Raven. Thank you. I, I hope I'm right. Like, it's just, why are you doing this? It just doesn't make sense. It's part of the coach's fault also. Maybe a little bit, but the coaches don't the coaches know that the players are adults as well. And I think Fernando, he probably goes out there and says, I'm gonna go do some cardio work. And Bob Ellen and the coaching staff's like, Okay, you're gonna do some cardio work. And they saw the videos that he did previously this weekend, and those videos were him just kicking the ball around. They weren't him aggressively like playing. It seemed like competitive soccer against teammates and falling down on his butt, you know, and falling falling down on his arm. So I think there's the difference there. All right, let's move to a Rod and some of the comments he made on the K Rod broadcast today. One main comment that he made. There were some comments that urged me today. I mean, Michael K said. Hey, Song Kim at the beginning of the broadcast when he was announcing the, the rosters. Uh, A-Rod called Nick Saban Nick Sabian instead of Nick Saban. Michael Kay said someone told him in Baltimore this weekend uh, that they don't think the Padres can ever win the World Series because it's too nice of a city and there's no urgency to get to the ballpark. I mean, are you kidding me? Holy cow. What a dumb comment that was. Uh, But I wanted to get to the A-Rod comment that he made regarding Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer was up at the plate during earlier today's game, tonight's game, on Sunday Night Baseball. And in this A-Rod cast, K-Rod cast was on ESPN2, and they're talking about Eric Hosmer almost being traded to the Mets and the trade rumors surrounding him. And A-Rod said this on the Padres wanting to trade Hosmer. Quote, I don't get it. I love Hosmer, end quote. And then I think he said not cuz not just cuz he's in Miami and then he probably talked about like the leadership and all that. But he literally said, "I don't get it. I love Hosmer." Well, guess what? I wonder why. I wonder freaking why you don't get it. Because you don't watch the games, you don't you're not in tune with the situation. Come on, dude. Come on, Arod, I don't get it. I don't why they don't want it. I don't get why they want to trade Hosmer. Well, I'll tell you right now, Arod. He's earned less than five million dollars of the eighty million dollars that the Padres have given him in base salary over the last four seasons with the Padres. Now, you, now, do you understand why they want to trade him? You know, he's getting the clubhouse all pissed off just because the Padres are trying to upgrade their team and clear some payroll so that they can add and have more rooms, have more room to add to the team. That's what they're trying – that's what A.J. Preller's trying to do. But, no, I don't get why they're trying to trade Hosmer. I love him. This isn't 2015 anymore, buddy. It's hot. Did Hosmer get off to a hot start? Was I commending him earlier in this episode for having good at that? Yeah. But guess what? This is what he does at the start of every season. So I don't want to hear it with I don't get why they, don't, they want to trade Hosmer. I don't get why this. I love him. It's because you don't watch all the games. Did you see earlier this week when he stepped on a on a Machado, I think, throw, he stepped into the base path to try to get one of the throws instead of going towards the ball like a first baseman's supposed to do? He's done that countless times. Do you not remember uh in 2018, his first year where Bregman hit a pop-up in Houston, easy pop-up and it lets it go behind him? Do you not remember that, A-rod? Like, come on. I don't get why the Padres want to trade him. I love Hosmer. Yeah, well, guess what? I loved Hosmer, too, with Kansas City. He hasn't been great with the Padres. That's why. The teammates can love him all they want. But when Hosmer's traded, after probably not playing well, if he does get traded, I think the players are going to recognize more room to go. Just going on. I'm back with the Hosmer point. Okay, I'm frozen. So now I don't think I'm frozen. Am I frozen? I don't think so. Sorry, my school Wi-Fi sucks. Anyway, going back to Hosmer, I just think the players will realize, the clubhouse will realize that the team agent Queller, the front office is gonna is trying to upgrade by trading Hosmer because they see that every year Hosmer goes on this April stretch or the start of the season stretch. And then he falls back to the way he's been the negative war, the defensive war guy, the zero war guy or the one win guy. That's not good enough for a contending team, you know? And Quan. Yeah. Quan says, it's funny how the day after Manny said, I'm glad he's here and I'll be mad if he isn't the next day. Manny makes an incredible play and Hosmer drops the ball. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. He just hasn't been great defensively. And, a-Rod, it's just that comment, just stupid. Like you haven't, it's clear you have not been watching games. You're paying attention to the team and you're just coming in here after watching the Timberwolves game yesterday and just coming in and briefly looking at the team and you're saying, Oh, Eric Hosmer, he has all those gold gloves. He's won a world series. I, I like him. I don't get why the partners are trying to trade him. How about you look at the situation a little bit? Look at the situation please before you say that. So that just irked me a little bit. Um, Get into a Cincinnati preview. Okay, so Sunday, Padres lose two to or win two to one. Excuse me. Uh, again, two runs, six runs combined in the last three games of the series. Offense just is not good enough right now. That's half the amount of runs that they scored in the first game of the series. So the first, uh, three games of the series, the last three, they they uh, had double those amount of runs in the first game of the series. Not great, not great at all. So a Cincinnati preview here. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before the off day, we got Shamanaya going. East Pitch really well for the Padres against Nick Lodolo. That's at 6 at 6:40 uh, p.m. Sorry, I have, to, I have some burps right now. Um All right, let's see if I can get through this. The second game, uh Tuesday, Joe Musgrove, the, the Reds, uh there it is again. Um, there's another burp. Uh to be decided for the Reds on went Jesus. Man, on Wednesday, uh, Mackenzie Gore gets his second start of the season in the big leagues. He's going up against Vladimir Gutierrez. That's at 110. So the Reds, I mean, Tommy Pham started off like 0 for plus 20 uh, um, to start his season. The Reds right now are 2-8. and eight. They lost 9-1 to one to the Dodgers today. So th- this is a series that the Padres have to win. They have to win it. I think they should sweep with the. They have Manaya, Musgrove, and Gore. Three guys that have pitched really well from what we've seen so far this, this season and in spring training. And if you count Mackenzie Gore's AAA start, five shutout innings. So this is a sweepable series, I think, if the offense can get it together. Shoot, even if they score two runs this series. They should win two of these games. That's just how bad this Reds, this Reds team is. Man, I am I have really bad burps right now. Holy cow. But 640, 640, and 110 are the first or the three game times for the Padres in this series. All on Valley Sports and 97-3. The fan. All right. So here is the Reds. This Dodgers series. They didn't score more than three runs in any game. Three runs on Thursday. One run on Friday, two runs on uh, Saturday, and then one run today. So they're like the Padres offense the last three games. So not good for the Reds. And this is a time Padres need to capitalize, right? Last year, right, they split that four-game set earlier in the year in Pittsburgh. They're not able they, – they get swept in Colorado a couple times by Colorado uh, against the Rockies at Coors Field, right? Um. Who else? They got no hit by Tyler Gilbert, who was making, I think, his first career start, right? His first career major league start last year. And they got no hit by them. Tommy Pham had that fly out the center to end the end the game. Um, so that's what happened last year. That was part of their collapse. They weren't able to beat the teams that they should have beaten, right? They shouldn't have. Or they beat the teams they should not have be- beaten. I'll put it that way. Um, this year they need to do that. They need to sweep this series, I think. <laughs> they should sweep the series. I think they, they, man, these burps, holy cow. Uh, man, there it is again. Um, getting back to my point, I think the Reds, they're just not a good team. This is a series that the Padres need to win, and I think they should sweep. I, especially when they score two runs each game, the last three games of the series. Please go sweep this series and make me feel good about myself and feel good about where the Padres are going going into this series, going into this Dodgers series, because two runs a game for, for the next three games against the Dodgers this coming weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's not going to be a good res- recipe for success. That's a recipe for disaster. Quan says... Let's be real. A-Rod is a tool. Last year, he kept on saying, channel your inner Tony Gwynn. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I already added my rant on A-Rod. He just, he's so focused on the Yankees and the Mets and other teams. And yeah, go focus on those teams, dude. Don't, yeah. Don't act like, you know, what you're talking about with the Padres and say, I don't get it why the Padres want to trade Hosmer. That's, that's just an idiotic comment. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I had some burps at the end there, but I'm human. Uh, hope you enjoyed my passionate rants there with Tatis and A-Rod and the offense. Hope you enjoyed the visual breakdown as well. This has been episode 150 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show presented by Gaglio Famous Cheesesteaks and Garlic Fries. I can't even finish the dang sponsorship because I'm having burps. Uh, there it is again. All right, I better end this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back for Jim Callis an episode with Jim Callis tomorrow talking about Padres Pot- prospects, Mackenzie Gore, CJ Abrams as well. Stay tuned for that. That's before the Padres game tomorrow. I'll go I'll go live for that interview. So, I hope you'll tune in for that. Uh yeah, the hiccups. Yeah, my mom put it there. Yeah. Oh, man, these hiccups are bad. All right, have a good night everyone. Stay safe. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully the Padres can start scoring some more runs. See ya.